0: Welcome to the Merge podcast. The Merge is the student ministry of the First Baptist Church in Barnwell, South Carolina. The mission of the Merge is to equip students to love God and His people. Here is student pastor Ryan Holtzman.
1: You guys sounded great tonight. Y'all have done a swap on me here. Usually we have more on this side. Is that because of the whole this side's going to hell thing that I did the other week? See, even Philip went over there and said, he was like ain't sitting on the hell side. Forget that. Hey, it's awesome to see you guys tonight. Y'all sounded awesome in your singing. Again, the band sounded great. And um, for now on, guys, when you come in, you better be ready to move your feet a little bit. Get some more of y'all up here. I know some of you, I saw y'all down here. Y'all were thinking about trying to walk it out. And uh, maybe sometime, maybe sometime, I'll bring the video in of my wedding reception where my wife made me walk it out and <laughs> <just> <laughs> <what> <laughs>
0: alright
1: No, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. That was a... uh, Guys, let this... Hey, let this be a lesson for you never to give in to peer pressure. Because I'm not going to do it. It was a miracle that I did it that one night. So, anyway. All right, let's go. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be at chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 10 tonight. We are all pretty hard on ourselves. Pretty much the case is, is that you're harder on yourself than you are anybody else. Nobody in this room probably has not ever found themselves standing in front of a mirror, despising certain things about the way they look when i was young i was skinny no i really i was i was skinny i was like really skinny and and to the point where with my shirt off you could see the bones of my ribs and then as i grew older there were two words that i forgot to learn i'm full And because of that, I went from being good and skinny combined with the fact that from the time I was in the 8th grade until my senior year of high school when I graduated, I lifted weights three hours a day every single day. I was a fanatic about lifting weights and running and, and being in shape. I would go home. I would go after school. I would spend two hours working out. I would eat a bowl of spaghetti, and then I'd go run for an hour, or I'd work out some more. The problem is, is that if you ever stop working out, it turns to flab. And that's what has happened. I like Lee's line. Lee's line is, I have a six-pack, it's just in the cooler. And that's where it's at. I have a six-pack, it's just in the cooler. I always found that funny. I now have found myself, when I was in high school, eighth grade through high school, I would stand in front of the mirror, and I would make my boobies bounce, right? I would sit there and flex them, and they would just bounce everywhere. It was great. I was all muscle and just loved it. And, and I loved when I would walk by the mirror, you know, I'd be walking by the mirror, and I'd go, hey, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, look at that. <laughs> woo. And now I find myself, I, like, run past the mirror. You know, it's like, well, I got to go. You know, I ain't got time to be looking in the mirror no more. Just, I don't want to see that, you know. Or I take a towel and just, like, wrap it all the way around, you know, because I just don't want to look. We all have things about ourselves that we just, we don't like. There's physical traits about ourselves that we do not like. There are personality traits about us that we don't like. If somebody is skinny, they would probably say, I'm too skinny. If somebody is big, they say, I'm too big. If somebody is tall, they say, man, I'm too tall. If they're small, they say, man, I'm too small. Everybody has something about themselves that they do not like. Many of you are constantly thinking about how much you hate life because, because you may not have the family or, or uh, have the type, excuse me, the type of family that your friends have. Some of you, uh, you may not live in the same type of house as some of your friends. You may not be as athletic or artistic or musically gifted as one of your friends. You're constantly comparing yourself to others. And in your mind, in your mind, you keep coming up far short of where you feel you should be. Too many of you are allowing your imperfections to control your life. You say, I can't do this because of this. I can't do this because of this. You know Moses, Moses told God he said I can't go and set your people free because I can't talk straight. Too many people we too many of us we say I can't do it. Now there's some things that you really cannot possibly do. I for one cannot sing. I'm not even going to try. Well yeah, I can, but it ain't going to sound good. Okay? It's not going to sound good. It don't even sound good in the shower. And everybody sounds good in the shower. I, no, I definitely don't. But what you've got to accept about yourself is this fact. Nobody is perfect. Nobody has the perfect body. Nobody has the perfect personality. And nobody has the perfect anything. None of us are Perfect. Everybody has something about themselves that they don't like. Everybody says the wrong things at the wrong time. Everybody messes up somewhere along the line and embarrasses themselves somehow or some way. Check out my friend on this video here.
2: I can't believe it. It's my first blind date.
0: Oh, I do it all the time.
2: Really?
1: guys meet?
2: Greg, Janice? We sure did. Great. We've got chemistry here. You feel it? I felt it. All right, Janice.
1: Nobody is perfect. The most prim and proper people sometimes have to let one out. You just need to make sure not anybody's around when you do it. Not everybody is perfect. It is time for you it is time for us, together, to stop focusing on what we believe uh, is, is these shortcomings about ourselves. You need to stop, what you, stop believing that you are not, uh, not good enough to do this or not good enough to do that. And you need to start accepting what you are and what you've been created to do and what you've been created for. Ephesians 2.10, Paul is writing this letter. And it's a simple verse, but it's good stuff. Ephesians 2:10 says this: "For we are His workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." The first thing that I want you to see, because the Bible says that, that when the Bible says that we are good, God's worksmanship. When we are God's workmanship, this tells us several things. And the first thing that I want you to see tonight is that you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Ephesians 2:10 in the New Living Translation Bible is translated, "We are God's masterpiece." The Greek word Paul uses for masterpiece is the word poema. And we get our English word poem from it. A poem is something of symmetry and beauty. Poems are an expression of the author. The heart of the author is reflected in the poem. Because because God is the author and creator of our lives, He is expressing to us, He is expressing to us through our lives that we are His poem. We are beautiful. You are a work of art. You are an expression of God's heart, and that makes you so beautiful. And wonderfully made. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 14 says this: "For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Sam was a 14-year-old, purebred, Chinese, hairless dog. Who won the world's ugliest dog contest? That is a real dog, and his name is Sam. As you can see, Sam is covered in blackheads. His skin is wrinkled and brown and dotted with splotches and several lines of warts. This guy's so ugly I can't even begin to make mother in law jokes tonight. Y'all get that one day. His eyes are pale and frightening. His teeth are misshapen. They jut out of his mouth at odd angles. He has two hairs on his tail and five hairs on his head. They're kind of combed back. He is so ugly that the judges at his first competition... Philip, is this your dog? Is that why you're leaving? Okay. At his first competition the judges recoiled in horror when he was placed before them. But none of this seems to faze his owner, Susie Lockaby. In an interview on CBS's The Early Show, Lockaby said, people who don't know him are pretty horrified. They're very horrified that I'm always kissing him. I'm very affectionate with Sammy because I think he's very beautiful. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And we are beheld by God. We are held in high esteem by God. God adores you. God loves you. And in his eyes, there is nothing, nothing more beautiful than you. Another way to think about it is this. God does not create junk. You are nowhere near a piece of junk. No matter how you feel about yourself or view yourself, you are not a piece of junk. You are beautiful and you are special and you have something unique to offer to this world because God created you. Look at the beauty outside. Look at nature. Go online sometime and Google the Niagara Falls and, and they, they'll have a live cam At night of the Niagara Falls. And they shoot these lights into the falls. And man, it is is gorgeous. It is so beautiful. And God created that. But he created you more beautifully than even that. You are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. Second thing that I want you to see is this. You are unique. Song of Solomon 6.9 says this, But my dove, my perfect one, is unique, the only daughter of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. The maidens saw her and called her blessed. The queens praised her. Art is unique, because it is a masterpiece that the artist created. In 1501, Michelangelo began working on his masterpiece called David. He began that work with a piece of marble so flawed that no one thought that it could be used. Out of it, he carved a masterpiece. He took his time. He carved out the specific areas of David and he turned it into a masterpiece that it was so unique and, and, and nobody could ever replicate what David created. Art is art because it is unique. Michelangelo's David is unique because it is carved into a masterpiece. It is art, and it is, not a, it is beautiful. It is unique. He carved it. He took his time with it. Piece by piece, he created it. And it's unique because, because when he finished, it was his artwork. It cannot be recreated. It is not a Polaroid shot of your Aunt Peggy. Something that everybody would have. Right? It's not a a picture. He created this with his hands. God took you and he created you. He created you. He molded you. There are close to seven billion people in existence in this world, and yet you are the only one that has your DNA, you are the only one that has your fingerprints. You are the only one that has your voice. And that makes you unordinary. That makes you special. My dad, my dad had an identical twin. I said had because my uncle passed away this past May. And it was so cool to me because my dad is a twin. And I mean, they were identical twins. And, and when they were little, you really couldn't tell them apart. Now you could tell them apart a little bit. Pretty good, actually, now. But, but when they were smaller, you just couldn't. My uncle's ears were a little bigger than my dad's when they were younger. But the cool thing about it, they used to dress the same. They used to act the same. And even though they were identical twins, each of them had their own set of DNA. Each of them had their own set of fingerprints because God wanted them to be unique. There is nobody on this earth like you. Nobody on this earth is is as unique as you are. God created each of you with their own set of attributes, with your personality, And no one can copy that or take that away from you. If you're loud, nobody can take that from you. If you're outgoing, nobody can take that from you. If you're laid back, nobody can take that from you. If you're quiet, nobody can take that from you. You are you, and you are special. And you were created by a great God. The third thing that I want you to see is that you are valuable. You are valuable. Matthew 6.26 says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not, they did not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You are so valuable to God. You are so valuable to the earth. You're valuable to us. Helen Frankenthalers, The Bay, is an abstract painting on display in the Detroit Institute of Arts. It's valuable. Okay? It's very valuable. David and I were looking at it. David Bowaldo, where he's at. We were where's he at? David, where you at, Bo? David, there's David over there. David and I were looking at it today. Emily, go ahead. Thank you. That is valuable. That is worth, now check this out. This piece of artwork is worth 1.5 million dollars. Now that to me looks like somebody spilled some blue paint on a piece of yellow paper. I think I'm going to create it and try to sell it for 1.5 million. That's worth 1.5 million dollars. Or should I say that it used to be worth $1.5 million? Until a 12-year-old boy, on a field trip, decided to take his gum and put it on the painting. The gum left a stain the size of a quarter on the painting. The boy was suspended from school and disciplined by his parents. Following his suspension, Julie Kildy, the director of the boy's charter school said, even though we give very strict guidelines on proper behavior and we hold students to high standards, he is only 12 and I don't think he understood the ramifications of what he did before it happened. But he certainly understands the severity of it now. Where the boy once saw something equivalent to the underside of a cafeteria table, he now sees a valuable piece of art. We don't always understand the ramifications of what we do. We don't always understand why God made us the way he made us. We don't always understand why we react to things the way we react to them. But the one thing that you must understand is that you are a valuable person. And guys, your life is more valuable than making so many mistakes that all you're doing is taking gum and sticking it to your body or sticking it to your life or sticking it to your spirit and leaving all these marks on it. Because every single decision that you make that is a decision that is harmful to your body, you are destroying the value of it. And God made you to be more valuable than that. I had a friend. I grew up with him. We we're very close growing up. And like it happens a lot of times after high school, we kind of drifted apart. Anyway, he went and got married, had a daughter, and unfortunately, his marriage didn't work out. I ran into him from time to time, and uh, we would talk, and he always seemed pretty happy to me. But um, his marriage didn't work out, ended up getting a divorce. And that divorce took his life and sent it straight downhill to the point where three years after the divorce, one afternoon he pulled into a field, locked the doors on his truck, took a shotgun, and he shot himself. His life in his eyes had no more value. His life in his eyes was worth nothing. Nothing. God's life is worth so much more than circumstances. You need to value your life. You need to value it so much that you are making wise decisions. Not just about whether you're going to take this drug or do that. I mean, you guys know that drugs are wrong. You guys know that sex before marriage is wrong. You know all that. What you need to be thinking about is making the decision if you're going to do it or not. Because even though you know it's wrong, a lot of you are still going to do it. Because you don't value your life. You don't respect yourself enough. You guys need to be thinking about whether or not, what are the standards that you're going to have in life. Instead of making these horrible decisions that devalue your life. There's not one person in this room who is not valuable. Some of you are allowing life's tragedies. And you're allowing the the bad decisions that you make to devalue who you are. The fourth thing that I want you to see is, is that for some of you. Some of you find that you think that you're an accident. That it just happened by chance for you to be here. The fourth thing that I want you to understand is that you are not an accident. Accidents do not happen. accidents happen in life, yes, but nobody in this room is an accident. I have a friend, one of my former youth, a few weeks back, she plowed into the back of a SUV. That is an accident. You are not an accident. It makes me so mad sometimes when I hear parents, and they're not joking. And sometimes even when they're joking, it makes me mad. But sometimes even when they're serious, it makes me so mad when, when I, I, I hear parents say, Oh, this is our youngest. He was an accident. This is our little oopsie. And I'm thinking, what? No, nah, man, nobody's an accident. No child is an accident. Ephesians 2.10, it goes on to say that we are God's workmanship, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Accidents happen, but you are not an accident. You are not an oopsie. How can a masterpiece be an accident? The completed work of art was beautifully created. It didn't just happen. Accidents can't ha- just happen when it comes to human beings. There are many of you here tonight that your parents may have told you over and over that you were in an accident. Some parents will say that thinking that it's no big deal. But if you hear it enough, you start believing that you're just an accident. And that causes you to devalue who you are. And you, that's when you start making these horrible decisions. But everybody has something to do. Everybody has something that God laid out for you to do. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. These guys have the craziest names in the whole Bible. But they're funny and I like them. I'm glad that they existed. Genesis 4, chapter 20. uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 20. Genesis, by the way, for those of you that don't know, that's... First book of the Bible. If you can't find that one, we'll have somebody hit you in the head with a chair. All right, Genesis 4.20. I'm just kidding. We don't promote violence. Except for Emmett. Genesis 4.20, it says this. And Adah bore Jabel. or Jabel, as I like to call him. Jabel, Jabel was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. All right, let's stop right there. So J-Bell, one day, J-Bell is out and he's hanging out under a tree, right? And it's pouring down rain on old J-Bell. And J-Bell's sitting there thinking, I'm wet. My family is wet. We're all wet. The skin or hair or whatever is that their clothes were made out of, They're, it's wilting. Or maybe it's snowed. And J-Bell was standing out under the same tree, and he was like, I'm cold. And there's got to be something better than me just standing here looking like a complete idiot in the rain and in the snow with my family. So J-Bell creates tents. Whoa! J-Bell created the tents. He says he's the father of those who dwell in tents. He created tents. God put Jabel on this earth to create tents, and tents led to houses. Jabel's the first contractor, the first builder of the Bible. And not only did he create tents, he also is the father of those that have livestock. So he was like, "You know what, guys? I think instead of having the cows just kind of running around wherever they want to, we could go get them and build these little things of fences and put them in there. And they can hang out in there. So he like created the first ranch. So j created his own ranch. He has his little tent for his family and he has livestock. God put him here for that reason. Keep reading. Verse twenty one. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. Now, this is what I'm been understanding about Jubal. Jabel, whatever his name was, Jabel, Jabel must have been the manly one of the brothers. Jubal was the he had feminine tendencies. Okay, and, and so it must have been that while Jubal was out building the tents and getting the livestock together and everything. I'm sorry, J-Bell was doing that. Jubal was sitting off to the side watching, and he was like, Dad, I can't do nothing with the hammer. You know, he might have had a lift. I don't know. And he's like, Dad, I can't do nothing with the hammer. And And his dad's like, well, what are you good at? And he starts whistling, right? And he picks up a stick, maybe, and he starts playing the stick or something. I don't know how it happened, but what I do know is my boy created instruments. God put him on this earth to create instruments. That was his value. Keep reading. Verse 22. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tubalcane. an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. He invented... Doing stuff with bronze and iron. So, like, my boy was just walking around one day and he saw some metal laying around and he's like, hey, we can use that for something. Now, I don't know if they had created fire yet. They don't talk about the fire guy. But but he might have been able to learn to take that and heat it up and, and who knows what he created with it. He may have been the one, because to build a tent, you know, you gotta have those metal poles and stuff to put the, he might have created that to help build the tents. I don't know. But what I do know is that his life was not an accident. Because there was something for him to do. We are all created with something to do. We are all created with something great to do. There is a hero that is inside of each one of you. And if you figure out that there is more to life than some of the decisions that you guys are making... And you figure out that there is a hero that lives inside of you. That there is something great and awesome and inspiring for you to do. How awesome would life be then? If everybody discovered the hero within them. There are tons of problems in this world. And the world is waiting on you to help solve those problems. Here's one young man who did.
2: From NBC News, this is Today. This morning on our special series, Making a Difference Today, Hoop Dreams, a young man who's
0: changed lives with the help of the sport he loves. NBC's John Larson has his story.
2: If you want to learn something about hope, this tiny church in Africa might be a good place to start. After what happened here, most might give up. This man's son is dead. This boy's parents are dead. These two lost their mom, and now the little one is dying too. Everyone in this church has lost family to AIDS, everyone. And in the middle of all this is one American teenager.
0: I think that what we're about to see here is going to be very real and very moving.
2: A few years ago, Austin Gutwein was just a nine-year-old kid from Arizona struggling to make a basketball team when he learned about AIDS. What do you know about AIDS?
0: Well, I, I basically know that it's um, a disease that as soon as it gets to parents, it- kills them. I really started to think about, you know, what it would be like if I lost my
2: parents. Six for seven. Austin decided to oh. shoot baskets to raise seven money for eight. AIDS orphans, sort of like a walkathon. And over three years, he got more kids involved. A lot more. Oh, good boy. Calling it hoops of hope, Austin last year helped kids in seven states raise almost $100,000 money, Austin decided, would go to one special place in Africa.
0: You know, as kids, we don't think about the politics of AIDS. You know, we, we don't really care what people think or say about why they got the disease. We just do something to help.
2: Austin had learned that near the little church in Zambia was a school it had a piece of paper on the wall. We have three categories of orphans. The orphan chart reports 107 children in this tiny school are already orphans. And then we have those that are double orphaned. And so what Austin did was promise the principal to do something remarkable. We thought even at 12 somebody would he would have been a much bigger boy. Everybody appreciates uh, such a kind of uh, register from such a young man and so with the help of the nonprofit world vision austin built this
0: oh this is so amazing
2: the region's first high school people walked hours for the school's dedication this fall to meet the young american who had done this he's going to be somebody in america
0: this is more than i expected the school is gorgeous
2: the school will someday have a thousand students and sleeping quarters for the orphans and the region's first hoop
0: go like that really hard really hard
2: so what does a 13 year old boy who's already built a school in africa do for an encore
0: we want to build a lab like a medical testing lab
2: like a hospital
0: yes a hospital
2: a hospital he plans to build in zambia next year think you can do it
0: i think we can
2: how can only one person make a difference austin might say just throw up a prayer and see how it's answered John Larson, NBC News, Zambia.
1: Austin, congratulations. And if you want more information on Hoops of Hope, just check out our website at todayshow.com. Everyone
0: um, from Hoops of Hope, I just think that it's so awesome that you guys have been shooting hoops to build a medical clinic in Sinzongwe, Zambia. You saw pictures from a year and a half ago about the school that you built, and right now I'm standing right in front of the medical clinic that you raised money to build. And guess what? It opens tomorrow. I just think that it's so awesome that you guys have done this, and to be able to see these people and know what's actually going to do for them is incredible. You guys are saving lives and preventing orphans. Thank you for making a difference.
1: Or you can just accept your imperfections. And move on from it. And place your life in the hands of God and say, Do with me whatever you possibly can. That's what Austin did. He was nine years old. Nine years old. And he laid his life in God's hands. And you look at how God has benefited. Not just Austin. Has nothing to do with Austin. It's about how God benefited that country. That little town. Because now they have a hospital. And they have a school. You are beautiful. And you got something to do. And so instead of wasting time. And making bad decisions with your life and thinking that life is nothing but a party. Stop that junk and get to doing something that's worth something instead of wasting time. Let's pray.
0: Thank you for listening to the Merge Podcast. For more information about the Merge Student Ministry, please go to
1: www.mergestudents.com.